0: Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Well, we've just finished observing Banned Books Week, a time to recall how important the freedom to read is to our democracy and to our human nature. The freedom to access information and culture is essential for the exercise of our First Amendment freedom of speech. The Supreme Court has noted that in order to speak freely, a person has to be able to have access to information upon which to build his or her speech. As we all know, there are people who think that they know best what others should and should not be reading, and so they attempt to get books, in this case, removed from libraries and schools and sometimes bookstores. It's a practice that is still very much alive in our country, as well as in countries around the world controlled by dictators of one sort or another. Recall that the First Amendment only applies to the various levels and branches of the government. The First Amendment reads, quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances, End quote. Note that the First Amendment says nothing about private parties, such as corporations, including private corporations like Facebook, Twitter, Google, or Amazon. This is an important fact to keep in mind in our digital age. Next week, October 16th to 22nd, is Free Speech Week. Check freespeechweek.org. Which sounds like a great idea. A celebration of the rights of Americans to speak their opinions freely and to hear the opinions of others in the same way. Except, except, that there recently seems to be a significant welling up of efforts to control certain kinds of speech, at least online. So-called hate speech, for example, or speech that seems to support terrorism, or in several recent cases, speech that made fun of an elected official in Illinois and a sheriff's department in Florida. So where is this inclination to essentially censor speech that some don't like most evident today? In libraries? In town meetings? In attacks on the press? While we see that tendency in all of those places, we see it in a much larger way in the case of the Internet. In this country, communication through the web is facilitated and controlled by private companies. Indeed, these companies transmit billions of messages a day. As the number and prevalence of messages that many find despicable have increased, so has the pressure on Facebook or Twitter or Google or any other conduit of communications in the digital age to, quote, do something about those messages. In response, many of the large communication companies have begun taking down posts or messages that are perceived to be offensive, though not illegal. These private companies, therefore, have become the de facto censors of the digital age. To hear those companies talk about it, it's a job that they don't want and that they feel pressured into doing. And that feeling is understandable. Take so-called hate speech. What is that exactly? Is one person's version of hate speech different from another's? How do Facebook's or Twitter's algorithms account for such differences? No one knows, of course, because no one knows what's in the algorithms that make those decisions. But a much larger question is, how did private parties get to decide what is okay speech and what is not? What about the anecdotal reports, for example, that traffic to certain totally respectable websites has dropped by two-thirds in one case after Google began downgrading search results for certain kinds of perfectly legal speech? Algorithms are far from perfect. A hundred years ago, Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes wrote in a famous dissent in the case of Abraham's versus the United States that, quote, Persecution for the expression of opinions seems to me perfectly logical. If you have no doubt of your premises or your power and want a certain result with all your heart, you naturally express your wishes in law and sweep away all opposition. In the case of speech on the web today, such wishes are not expressed in law or even by government. They're the results of algorithms designed by private companies whose bottom-line value is profit. And a good part of the population apparently thinks that this is a swell idea. In recent polls, over half of those polled thought that hate speech isn't protected by the Constitution. They're wrong. It is. And, essentially, every time that the Supreme Court has spoken on the subject, the decision by judges, whether left or right, has been unanimous. Young people in high school, if they happen to be able to name even one of the five protections under the First Amendment, usually name speech. Many then go on to say that government should be able to keep some speech from happening, and certainly from being published. College-age students, about 40% of them in a 2015 Pew Research Center poll, and probably more now, say it's okay to censor speech that is offensive to minorities. While there's been lots of recent attention paid to one college or another withdrawing invitations to speak from controversial would-be celebrities, the real action today is on the web, and most of us don't think much about it. But the question for private internet companies who are censoring some speech and not other speech based on what message the speech conveys, is the same as it is for governments. Who decides what is good speech and what is bad speech? And what happens when other people take over the company or are elected to the government who have very different ideas of what can be said and what can't be said? This is not a new question, and it is one important basis for having virtually all speech tolerated in this country as the founders wished. But in this case, as in so many others, the web creates possibilities for big changes, not all of them good. Free Speech Week gives us all a focused opportunity to think deeply about how we value free speech, or maybe don't, in our digital age. And we'll do our best to keep pondering that question long after Free Speech Week passes, right here on Future Editions, of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.